Chapter 9, Top 10 Trends in Consumer Crypto. Nine pointer, so consumer crypto. Given the absolute bloodbath this year in NFTs, I expected this chapter would be a breeze to write. Dead, nearly dead, never was alive, dead, next. But I was pleasantly surprised to find that I had 40 pages of notes and ideas regarding consumer crypto and actually think I made something of them. The ownership economy is here to stay. Uh, I'm a power user of the new DSOC platforms. I nailed some core NFT theses. OpenSea and Blur are down viciously in a bear market, but they're still the market leaders and my two core investments in this space. I continue to whiff on NFT trading itself, but like my three-letter ENS name name, I have some hope that Bitcoin's fee model may become a life-sustaining force for miners. I have friends that understand crypto gaming and user-generated experiences, so I don't have to. And I even know a guy trying to take over the world and start a cloud country. We can't let the institutions steal our JPEGs and must seize the memes of production as NFTs are the most defensible type of crypto assets we have right now. Gary Gensler may try to come after those too, but at least he beclowns himself in the process to both his congressmen and fellow commissioners. Until last year, I thought crypto consumer applications were nice-to-haves. Now, I think the toys are actually critically important bits of infrastructure to get right and fast. NFTs and public blockchains will be indispensable in our AI-driven future. I thought this framing from Stratechery was on point. The PC, Internet, and AI revolutions were discrete events in the history of information. We could control the PC's power to duplicate information at zero marginal costs until the internet came along. Then we needed public encryption. We found a way to harness the internet's power to distribute information at zero marginal cost by creating social media and search platforms. But we have no way of controlling AI generation just yet. We'll need NFTs and blockchains in order to track provenance. The opportunities ahead are mind-blowing and will be lucrative to those paying attention. 9.1 DSOC. Elon Musk bought free speech a little more time this year with his acquisition of Twitter, but the misinformation barbarians are at the gates, and there seems to be a concerted effort among the powers that be to kill the company via a coordinated ad boycott. It's not worth risking a digital unpersoning any longer. If you want bona fide protection from censorship on the social web, we need decentralized social media platforms, DSOC, to work. And fortunately, we have several that are making good progress on this front. We already covered Farkaster in the top products section, but there are a number of DSOC applications to get excited about. Lens, Yup, a DSOC aggregator. Dissot, which forced me to rename the sector to DSOC. XMTP for messaging, huge integration with Coinbase and many more. DSOC solutions, solutions aren't just uh, nice to have anymore, but existential for free and open speech. I think we have a good shot at cracking the DSOC nut in 2024 because the product market fit has gotten clearer due to a confluence of factors. One, portable social graphs. I really felt the need for this, ironically, with the launch of Instagram's threads where I posted content for about 3.5 days before it died. For a long time, I worried about cancellation on the Bird app for posting about things like crypto, civil rights, and actual science. But it was threads, overnight evisceration of my ex-impressions that gave me pause. 
What happens if X bleeds slowly and I don't invest enough time and energy in cultivating a social graph on other platforms? Do I just lose 10 years of accumulated work and network building? DSOC solves this issue in the medium and long term by hot swapping the back end of social media. This is already the norm in DSOC. 70% of Lens users interact with more than one app. Two, anti-censorship. The portability of a social graph is an important long-term fix to prevent digital unpersoning. But in the short term, it's really all about ensuring that the crypto conversations remain unfettered. Our progressive leaders consider crypto a national security threat, a precursor to a speech crackdown. And they've now got the most important man-man in the country encouraging them to shut the sector down. I wouldn't blame you for scoffing at me last year for my crypto speech censorship concerns. You'd have been wrong, but less obviously so. Things are different now. Three, control over the algorithms. DSOC breaks apart traditional tech stacks, resulting in more interfaces for developers to build new business models and features. I think about the future of social media a bit like the world of investments today. Instead of investment products and investment managers, we'll invest in DSOC filters and algorithm managers. Attention is our scarcest resource, and it's only going to get harder to compete for it in an AI world with infinite content generation. Imagine paying for control over a custom for you feed that you control, deep focus mode, breaking news mode, happy hour mode with happy, angry, or flirty tone filters. Four, creator cash. Traditional social platforms capture $300 billion of revenue per year. Almost all of that goes to the platforms versus the creators, which makes big tech's margins DSOX opportunity. This is always the area where crypto shines given its roots as a financial technology first and foremost. And friend.tech showed the potential for DSOC apps to leverage economic incentives to rapidly onboard new users. But this will arguably be, be the least important driver of DSOC adoption. People have an innate desire to be connected and to feel like they own their own identity and think for themselves. Financially rewarding that desire is merely lighter fluid. I also wouldn't bet against Elon or Zuck conceding the point though. Elon already rolled out ad sharing for creators. It will be an increasingly important part of Instagram's threads business too, and they have an enormous head start in shareable revenue. 9.2 friend, tech. <laughs> I can't believe how much I have to skip in the DSOC space, but I only have so much time, and friend.tech needs its own section after emerging as this year's breakout app. It's possible that Lens, Farcaster, and crypto derivatives of X are the wrong starting place for DSOC entirely. The novelty of friend.tech had to do with a combination of uniquely crypto attributes, small exclusive digital tribes, economically enforced scarcity, gamification with points, and maybe later tokens, lots of controversy, etc. The NASDAQ for people allows users to create and join exclusive private chat rooms gated by keys that can be bought and sold via a bonding curve. Each user's bonding curve is the same regardless of profile, which means that liquidity at incremental key prices is always available, and the maximum room size for the very largest accounts approximates Dunbar's number. It also means that a bot army could quickly design strategies to take people public, bidding up the early supply of their keys as soon as their X account gets connected. They absolutely crushed the onboarding experience on both the creator and consumer side. They nailed the progressive web app design, instant install outside of the app stores, and one-click transactions on an embedded wallet through Privy. The base L2 integration highlighted the power and potential speed of roll-ups, 
and the viral hook. Connect your X account and instantly earn fees-based bot bids for your initial keys. You kept half of the trading fees on all buys and sells. The question has been one of staying power. Will FriendTech be a breakout app or just a flash in the pan? Many people are underestimating the project for some pretty obvious reasons. One, people like celebrities. We like to collect things and as fans, friend, tech gives us an app to collect access to celebrities and larger accounts that we otherwise wouldn't engage with. There are many who would spend 100K plus on a room key with Taylor Swift, giving the bonding curve dynamics and the exclusivity that would imply if given the chance. Friend.tech is the purest expression I've seen of financialized social capital. Two, this is cancel resistant, yeah, more authentic chat. Everything you post on on the internet can be broadly distributed, but by capping friend.tech rooms at the low hundreds of users, the protocol could give rise to more unkillable, at least digital truth tellers. Smaller audiences reduce the risk of social attacks, and so long as your key prices don't go down, can you really be canceled? It's not just a hedge for those at risk for being punished commercially for unpopular speech, a la NYT journalists moving to Substack. Many fans will reward authenticity. 100 true fans sustain you if you don't sell out. Three, killer apps have high margins. Technology that boosts margins is almost always good. Coinbase makes 1% on retail buys and sales. Grayscale makes 2% on assets under management. Tether sweeps all interest to itself. The difference with friend.tech is that it shares its high trading fees with its users. There are explicit disincentives to flip keys, keep room key holders more stable, and explicit incentives for creator engagement, key fee share. Even if alternatives emerge, many will be competing on cost, which is a shitty place given that users mostly benefit from the high fees. The platform has generated 50 million in fees this year so far, and at one point, ffriend.tech's daily revenue was as 10x open seas. Even after a cooldown in activity, it's generating $4.5 million per month, a top 20 crypto app by almost any metric in less than six months. The friend.tech launch felt like a Uniswap or OpenSea moment for me. Even if friend.tech isn't the final form for this concept, gamified, liquid, token-gated fan communities the idea won't be uninvented, and there's something special here, though. If friend tech is like OpenSea, high trading fees and creator emphasis, that might be bad news for the project. It's just a matter of time before a trader-oriented alternative emerges. Note, we've had a bunch of debates about friend.tech internally at Masari, some rebuttals to common criticisms. Social media breakthroughs are hard. We've only had a handful in the last 20 years. Yes, but when they happen, they are enormous. Small accounts are making no money. Trades trading fees are not significant enough. Who cares? Good creators come for the money, but most users will be consumers. On friend.tech, the money is front-loaded, so once the bulk of the money has been paid out, most creators have little incentive to stick around. This is a fair criticism that some key prices are too high, bubbly, not that the experiment will die. Unlike NFTs, bonding curves have immediate sell value, so once it looks like a creator on FT is topped, the game theory is for everyone to immediately cash out and not be last. This ignores the stiff selling disincentives of a high fee trade. Don't make the same mistake thinking you can beat a 20% transfer tax Ponzi, 10% uh, each way.
Come for the chats, not the fast money. Um, 9.3 NFT market models. Uh, OpenSea pioneered the NFT marketplace. I compared their model last year to Coinbase's retail platform, high fees, great UX for creators, etc., versus a high-speed trading platform. I still think that rings true, but my, oh my, what a brutal year it was for the top dog marketplace and its sector. One, the market sucks. The NFT market has been caught in a death spiral I warned about last year. Per project prices have plummeted because there's no theoretical limit to the number or diversity of NFT projects, and few have true value mimetically or artistically, though we are perhaps seeing some early signs of life going into 2024. Two, blur hurt them. With NFT interest fragmenting and new investment and liquidity plummeting, it was a bad time to see sophisticated trading tools introduced that made the market even more liquid. But that's what Blur did, and they dominated the NFT financial infrastructure segment and dropped a cleverly designed token distribution scheme in the process. Blur's fee-minimized trading also pressured OpenSea to reduce creator royalties. Interestingly, this is basically the opposite dynamic of friend tech. NFTs are infinite, so a low fee model wins. Specific room keys are finite, which is why the high creator fee sharing model might be sustainable. Three, the market forced OpenSea's hand. I have always appreciated OpenSea's emphasis on creating a creator-friendly marketplace, but they had to make some tough decisions this year, and even some of their biggest boosters criticized the adjustments they were forced to make around the enforcement of creator royalties. The market correction was predictable, but its intensity was surprising despite all the drama and headwinds and layoffs. OpenSea remains the dominant NFT marketplace by users. It's a two-player market right now, and if these two can maintain their market leadership in this phase of the market cycle, I'm confident they'll thrive upon the return of the bull. 9.4, the march of the penguins and ordinal theory. I'm not covering PFP projects this year. I'm sorry, I'm tapped out. But I would encourage you to read our linked reports below. I am personally uh, looking for projects that sit at the intersection of NFTs and AI-generated content. Uh, securing identity and IP in the AI age is a trillion-dollar market, so feed me ideas. Otherwise, let's just assume the PFP market is back, and we'll have more to say about its resurgence and projects to watch in January. In the meantime, for the PHP punters looking to guess what's next, I'd check out Upshot's new AI-driven price prediction tool, Ordinal Theory. I am extremely excited about BE Bitcoin's inscription boom in Ordinal Theory, not because I am partial to Bitcoin JPEGs per se, but because I think Bitcoin zealots will eventually recognize that the success of these projects will be the only thing that drives fees to proof-of-work miners on a sustainable basis. Otherwise, they are choosing between a fork to proof-of-stake an alteration of the 21 million Bitcoin hard cap or long-term irrelevance. In other words, I think they'll come around. Ordinals are worth a quick history lesson. In August 2017, Bitcoin underwent a soft fork upgrade called Segregated Witness, SegWit, which separated transaction data on Bitcoin into two parts. Transaction data, which contains information about the sender, receiver, inputs, and output, and witness data, which contains scripts and signature data. 
SegWit made it easier and cheaper to store larger amounts of data on the Bitcoin blockchain without radically increasing its size, and as such, it was the resolution to a years-long battle over the issue of block size limits. Few will remember the drama, but it was 100 sex more more intense than it sounds now. One unexpected development that the SegWit upgrade brought Bitcoin was Taproot, which activated in November 2021. One of the primary features of Taproot was more advanced scripting capabilities in the witness portion of Bitcoin transactions. In fact, Taproot removed the guardrails that constrained the amount of data that could be included in the witness portion of a transaction, unintentionally enabling individuals to store large amounts of arbitrary data on the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, that brings us to this year and the explosion of NFTs on Bitcoin, including the largest Bitcoin block and transaction in history featuring a Taproot Wizard NFT, the introduction of ordinal theory, an off-chain method for, for serializing or numbering individual Satoshis or Sete or the smallest unit of Bitcoin, introduced collectability to Bitcoin and allowed users to inscribe fungible sats with arbitrary data converting them into NFTs. Bitcoin ordinals grew over 300x earlier this year, leading to a predictable debate among the Bitcoin religious regarding the purpose of the B-Bitcoin blockchain, financial transactions versus more complex data on Bitcoin and other absurdities. I think it's great. I hope BRC20s work too. Unlock the power of informed decision-making with Masari Pro. Get access to in-depth data, trend-setting research, Exclusive token unlocks data, advanced screener, trading view integration, chart books access, AI-driven newsfeed, unlimited watch lists, governance daily alerts. New pro customers can enjoy 10% off their first year with code theses 10 Learn more at masari.io slash pro and sign up today. 9.5 crypto gaming and digital native brands. The gaming industry is thriving. There are 344 billion gamers globally who contribute to the $184 billion in expected revenue for the gaming industry in 2023, a figure that is ripping higher year after year. Gen Z and Gen Alpha, who increasingly view digital and physical experiences as one and the same, devote considerable time to gaming, 15 hours a week, and spent $135 billion in 2022 on virtual gaming items alone. Of course, today's game items are neither truly owned nor freely tradable, but it's inevitable that younger gamers eventually demand ownership of their virtual goods. Gaming goes through paradigm shifts approximately every 10 years. And in many respects, the rise of crypto gaming is similar to the rise of free-to-play, F2P gaming, a decade ago. M monetization enabled by crypto will become the dominant business model in gaming. When these paradigm shifts happen, they seem obvious only in retrospect. 9.6 token bound bound accounts. There have been a lot of big exciting developments this year in the NFT to digital identity realm, but the biggest was the introduction of token bound accounts, on-chain smart contract wallets that an NFT owns, formally proposed within ERC 6551. Oh, opportunities abound. They're backward and forward compatible. They'll work across any roll-up or EVM chain, and they can accumulate assets, interact with other TBAs, and transact autonomously. Huge. Some implications, it's a growth opportunity for marketplaces like OpenSea, uh, which was developed under the assumption users would trade standalone NFTs versus dynamic assets that can also own other things. 
TBAs changed the whole NFT marketplace model. They're the difference between buying a skin and buying a digital character with a portfolio of non-fungible and fungible assets, including reputations. I'm sure we'll run into ethical debates around selling digital autonomous persons, but that's a fight for next year. In NFT lending, TBAs open the door for the equivalent of NFT cross-margining, which could boost liquidity and reduce liquidations and bad debt. It's a major development for Lens, which announced a non-integration Ovion of TBAs into their, their V2 and re-architected profiles back in July. Now, all the value earned from mints and Colex can be accrued to the wallet of a profile instead of directly into an owner's address. Lens is the top project to leverage TBAs so far. They are also highly complementary to non-transferable or soul-bound tokens, which are useful in different contexts. It might be okay to have soul-bound tokens sent to a TBA, but you probably won't want an NFT social credit score appended to your public ENS versus A lens TBA. I expect that we're just getting started here. 9.7 co-creation in UGX. Building digital worlds is expensive. Meta has spent more than $20 billion building out its metaverse in the past several years, and gaming companies spend multiples of that yearly on R&D to satisfy their insatiable users. It's hard to see how crypto communities could ever get over those massive financial disadvantages to be competitive and build digital autonomous worlds. But autonomous worlds have the potential to break the stagnant world of game development, where big studios milk pre-existing IP due to the high-risk profile of developing new IP, and the spoils for sparking such a content revolution would be massive. Aside from better game designers or better partnerships with incumbent gaming giants, it's also going to take better on-chain gaming infrastructure and better user-generated storytelling to disrupt the incumbent gaming giants. Polygon and Immutable may be the early ecosystems courting the most on-chain gaming development today. They've probably got 70% market share, though it's difficult to measure precisely, while Solana is likely to pick up steam in 2024 after its recent rally. On the storytelling side, co-creation, through platforms like Story Protocol, Shibuya, StoryCo, and Storyverse aims to disrupt mega creator platforms by leveraging NFTs and programmatic payments to broader creator ecosystems. Gang, gang. A lot of money has gone to the crypto gaming space in the past several years. We haven't seen results yet, but my bet is we'll see five, seven on-chain games hit the 100K DAU mark by uh, 2025, the tech is there and we're ready. Uh, 9.8 bet to play gaming and information markets. Yeah, I don't generally give crypto prediction markets much time or thought, but I'll make an exception for three reasons this year. One, we're in a wild presidential election year with lots of moving pieces. Not just who will win, but will Trump be convicted? Will Biden drop out of the race due to health issues? Will RFK Jr. be the only independent candidate in the race? If crypto prediction markets don't make it big this year, then we're still probably another four-year cycle too early. Polymarket did about $6 million million in volume last month. I think it will do $300 million million next October. Two, prediction markets are the largest and easiest subset of curation markets, which we desperately need as a probabilistic alternative to disastrously inaccurate independent fact-checkers 
or more community sentiment driven products like community notes. I agree with Nick and Balaji that prediction markets will help improve data, news, and ultimately public discourse by gamifying truth. Yeah, we'll likely be able to get more creative in terms of how ZK Tech is used for things like truth verification too, which will cut down on misinformation by enabling proof that a given statement is true. Uh, this picture came from my device at this time. Without revealing any additional information, this granularity uh, could help resolve increasingly more subjective information markets. Three, finally, it's batshit crazy to me that we can't bet on prediction markets. I'm smarter than you. But we can bet on ourselves in things like online gaming. I'm better at FIFA. Both should be allowed, and society is worse off because we are blocked in the U.S. from doing the former by unnecessary CFTC encumbrances. The sports betting and iJaming markets are growing by mid-double-digit percentages year over year, and Kel thinks bet-to-play models could add $10 billion per year in revenue to Fortnite alone. The market size is staggering. The gambling element makes it a perfect gray market use case for crypto. And the ability to wager on crypto games could give them a marginal benefit that helps put them over the top of other centralized game makers. 9.9 um, .9 network states. There's been a quip going around for a while that the three scariest words in the English language are... Balaji was right. I'm not going to walk through his many prescient bets or debate whether his $1 million Bitcoin bet earlier this year was a terrible wager or a marketing ploy to ring the alarm on our sovereign debt crisis. A discerning reader that understands anything about investing knows the answer. But I will point out that his network state thesis is playing out. The scariest thing to me about Balaji's bet wasn't how right he's been in the past about other major events but rather watching our president's son and the ex-president face criminal charges, witnessing a rise in anti-Semitism take hold across the U.S. and Europe with no obvious paths to de-escalation, seeing a state governor debate on behalf of his president and fill in as a proxy for that president on a major diplomatic visit, and then understanding that cultural divisions are continuing to deepen further still. In many respects, the West has already hard-forked in the cloud, our legacy and social media filter bubbles are now completely divorced. So a cloud country looks like a foregone conclusion. After starting a new global form of money, BTC, or a new permissionless internet, ETH, I don't think there is much more of a punk rock software play than trying to form a new country. I, I was there in Amsterdam when he hosted the first network state conference before Breakpoint, and the place was electric. The tailwinds for the network state resemble Bitcoin's the closest. The vision will gain prominence simply thanks to the slow digitization of everything and the inevitable ongoing declines of institutional credibility. I'd encourage you to watch the talks from the event over the holidays. I'll also do a podcast with Balaji soon. 910 Techno Optimism. If the rest of the world is getting pretty dark, crypto's future is still bright. Going into a chaotic 2024, I'm trying my best to focus more attention on ideas from builders like Balaji, Elon, Vitalik, and Mark Andreessen, and turn down the volume on politics, which drained too much of my energy in 2023, but which, again, I believe was worth the investment. Read the Elon Musk series by Tim Urban, Techno Optimism by Mark Andreessen, and Vitalik's thoughts on decentralized accelerationism. Elizabeth Warren, Gary Gensler, and other Luddite obstructionists or degrowth cultists are not going to save the U.S. or advance humanity. 
but the builders might. We just need to ensure there are more of us than there are of them. That's no small task, but I'm going to keep doing my part in 2024. We'll only win if we build products that people love and advance ethos that people respect. That's why this is a good place to end this chapter. Conclusion. Consumer crypto is booming, even if prices and sentiment suggest otherwise. <laughs> Believe it or not, I still left a ton of things out of this section. Desi, despite being a theme of the year for me up front in the intro, didn't make it. But never fear, you can still read our research on Dasai and cover our ongoing research in this market all year by subscribing to Masari Enterprise. After 160 pages, what on earth would stop you?